0: Well, hello Ecclesia. thank you so much for being flexible this week uh, as we looked at some of the rising numbers. Just thought it was the wise and prudent thing to do uh, with the, the COVID cases uh, to just meet digitally and I know there's a sense of fatigue that sets in with this and I know even a sense of reversion like oh no are we going back but I do think that just with the holiday travel and all of these things sort of converging, I thought it was wise. We will plan to meet in person throughout the rest of January. We will have some digital offerings for those who are not comfortable meeting in person. But my hope and and from everything I've read is that this Omicron variant kind of creates an initial spike that does rise really steeply, but also falls off really steeply. We've seen this in places like South Africa. And so I'm paying attention to what's going on with COVID, uh, trying to just do our, our absolute best to, to love our neighbor. And, you know, we may look back in 10 years and like, OK, we could have done that differently or we were totally wrong about that. But uh, that is our sincere heart and to serve Jesus in that way. And so I, I hope that's meaningful to you. And I hope that that uh, resonates with you. And I, I also just so greatly appreciate you uh, for just sticking it out, uh, for showing up, for, for doing the hard work. And uh, I'm just so proud to be your pastor. Well, I hope you had a, f- a incredible Christmas. Uh, if you know anything about the church calendar, this is actually the ninth day of Christmas. The Christmas feast goes on for 12 days. If you've heard the incessant song over the last couple of days and so we are celebrating the arrival of King Jesus and that is the uh the the bandwidth that we want to tune our hearts to we want to be on the calendar that that aligns with the story not just the calendar of the world and so today what I want to do is kind of look at the overlap we've turned to 2022 it's a new year and in many ways especially starting off with digital church The new year feels a lot like the old year. But what might God be wanting to do in our midst? What new thing might God be wanting to do in us as we celebrate and welcome this Christmas season, as we turn the calendar year to 2022? I want to start off with a simple framing message, helping us to be intentional about what we are seeking from God this year. Now, I think there's a lot of things that our culture has corrupted about Christmas. Our culture tries to commodify literally everything, right? And I actually don't think it's very surprising that Christi- uh, Christmas in America has become so commercialized and materialistic. It's not just because we live in a capitalist society. I, I think often you can tell something about the-, the nature and the truth of a matter by looking at its distortions. Christmas The birth of Jesus is about God with us, taking on skin and bones, moving into our neighborhoods, walking the streets of our worlds. The God who made the world is placed as a baby into hands that he created, held by a mother and father that are made in his image. All of it conspires to remind us that matter matters. We are not souls locked in embodied prisons, but rather the truth of who we are is manifested in a harmony of body, soul, and spirit. Christopher West says it this way, If you want to know what is most sacred in the world, all you need to look at is what is most violently profaned. The devolving of Christmas into materialism in certain quadrants actually highlights the truth of Christmas. And on this, the ninth day of Christmas, I want to highlight another angle of Christmas as we move into this new calendar year and as a way of framing where we are going this year as Ecclesia. Now, I don't know if it's simply because I've been around my children around the clock uh, for the better part of the last two weeks, but I have been thinking a lot about belief. About wonder. These are terms that are thrown around at Christmas time, usually in reference to the guy with the red hat and the reindeer, and I actually don't think that's such a bad thing. But the story, as we've already referenced, is about God doing the astonishing, the surprising. My favorite Christmas season poem is by a man named W.H. Auden, and it says it like this We who must die demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act, the infinite become a finite fact? Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. And there's something about that Christmas miracle that captures us ever so briefly. And it usually lingers into the turning of the calendar. And as the year changes over, we make resolutions. This is it. This is the year. Things will be different. I'm going to start that ministry or that business. I'm going to read through the whole Bible. I'm going to get healthy again. All of these are awesome goals. And I I really encourage you. Take some time this weekend, today, if you have the day off tomorrow, be specific about your goals. Be really clear about what you'd like to achieve this year, and then write down some steps. You know, Atomic Habit, Habits by James Clear is an incredible book on what it means to truly change course in our lives. But I want to, us not to focus on what we are going to do today. Rather, I want you to focus on a different question a different sort of New Year's resolution, as the wonder of Christmas lingers in the air and as we turn to the the reality of a new calendar year, I want you to ask this question. What's your New Year's resolution for God? What do you want God to do? No, God doesn't need to drop some LBs or learn a new language, but what if God was inviting you to believe in him a new again? And what if, as Jesus shows us through his incarnation, his birth at Christmas, that invitation involves God doing something astonishing and surprising in the world and in your life? Later in his life, as he grows older, later Jesus will ask a question, what do you want me to do for you? As he encounters a blind man. Now, the question may seem obvious, But in my experience, most followers of Jesus don't live their life expecting this sort of posture from God. The blind man encountered with this question from Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Responds emphatically, I want to see. And maybe... In this liminal time, as Christmas is moving to the new calendar year, we all need to get serious about just what it is we want to see God do in our lives. Jesus tells his disciples that if we love him, we can ask him for anything, anything. Now, you may be saying to yourself, isn't this just the prosperity gospel? Isn't this us trying to control and manipulate God, using him as some sort of cosmic genie for our own purposes? Well, of course, that's always possible. But we, we often fail in the requests. God does not fail in making himself known, in providing for us, in correcting us, and ultimately in blessing us. For instance, in Matthew chapter 20, the mother of John and James, two of Jesus' closest disciples, comes to Jesus and asks that Jesus grant her sons the right to be able to sit at both his right and his left hand when Jesus comes in his kingdom. Now, our culture has a name for these kinds of parents, uh, geniusly. They're called lawnmower parents, those that plow the ground, that try to make the way straight ahead. Now, the mother of James and John is the ultimate lawnmower parent. But, you know, as a dad, I kind of get it. No judgment here. The mother of James and John has missed the surprise of what God is actually doing in the world. You see, she thinks... She's recognized Jesus' royalty. She's recognized that this Jesus has this authority, that he is truly somebody that is going to change the shape of the world, but she's missed the way that he's going to do it. She thinks that Jesus will be a conquering king, that he will subdue the Romans, that he will conquer in the ways of the world, and that to sit at his right and his left hand will be places of honor and influence and riches But Jesus' response to her question, again, the question is stated, Jesus' response reveals what God is up to. And he asks her, are they able to drink from the cup that I will drink? Jesus' cup, as will be revealed on the cross, is Jesus coming in his kingdom. But it is not conquering the Romans by military strength, but rather it is giving of himself, emptying himself The way to victory becoming the way of suffering. But you know what? The mother of the sons of Zebedee asked the question. And though her question itself is misguided, all wrapped up with mixed motivations, God is faithful to guide us to himself. In Ecclesia, we often fail in the asking. And that often gives us a smaller picture of the character of God. It gives us a smaller picture of who he is and what he's up to in the world. God does not fail us in answering us according to his kindness, his mercy, and his character. We often fail in the asking. God does not fail to reveal himself to us and to provide for us. Now a different James, not the one in the story above, but the brother of Jesus will later say, you do not have... Because you do not ask God. In James chapter 4, going on in verse 3, it says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. It is the asking that reveals the heart of God. It is the asking that purifies our motives, that reveals where we may need to repent Asking God for things involves us in the work of the kingdom of God. It awakens us to the prompting of his spirit. It demands that we exercise faith, which as Hebrews says, without which, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so I am telling you at the start of this new calendar year, pastorally, as Rilke says, to live the questions. Jesus will go on to say in his Sermon on the Mount, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, he will give a stone? Or if the child asks for fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God does not fail in answering us according to his heart, his mercy, and his character. It is we who fail in asking the questions. The story of Christmas and the story of the gospel itself is fundamentally a story about the wonders of God. At every turn, the story is surprising. God in the cradle, God on the cross, God overcoming the grave and pouring out His Spirit. God is longing to reveal Himself, to provide for us. It is we who often fail in the asking. G.K. Chesterton talks about God's infinite capacity for wonder. He says, writing of God's uh, renewed energy at every dawning of every day, says the thing I mean can be seen, for instance, in children. When they find some game or joke that they specially enjoy, a child kicks his legs rhythmically through excess, not absence of life. Because children have abounding vitality. They are in spirit fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again again. To the moon. Chesterton is trying to awaken the, the childlike wonder in us. Our God does not grow weary. Our God does not repeat the cycles of the world out of boredom or because he is removed from the realities of our lives. Rather, God is so exorbitant in his vitality and his energy that he can draw near anew and he can say to the sun and the moon, do it again. Jesus was encountered by his disciples and they came to him in Matthew chapter 18 it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to them and he placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name, welcomes me. Tim Keller says, the only person who is bold enough to wake the king at night for a drink of water is a child. And Ecclesia, being around our own children for the past two weeks, has immersed me in this reality. Children are constantly asking questions. They ask for things. They ask why. They ask, can they do things? And really today... I'm asking you to start out this new year with this sense of childlike faith. What might God do if you simply were to ask Him? In your life, in the lives of those you love, in our church, in our city, how might God be wanting to show you more of Himself through your requests and petitioning, even if those requests, as we saw with the mother of James and John, are misguided? Children who are healthily attached to their parents know intuitively that they are seen, they are safe, they are soothed, and they are secure. It is out of that healthy attachment that they form their identity, they move into the world. Jesus has offered us this healthy attachment to the Father, Son, and Spirit by His love. Through His life, death, and resurrection, Jesus offers us His very life to abide in His love and to move through the world with power and in the assurance that He is working. Jesus is inviting us into His very life. And He says this in John chapter 14, Very truly I tell you, The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And listen to this. In fact, they will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Ecclesia, Jesus is pleading with us. Ask him. He's saying, I've given you the very spirit of my divine life. It abides in you as you abide in me. This is the life that I have entrusted to you to glorify my name in the world. And he says, You will do greater things than I have done. This is Jesus talking. How can we not receive this life, this call, this invitation? How can we not receive this call to action? to pray. And so I simply, as we begin this new year, I want to ask you to focus and to get really specific and really intentional. And just to start today by by thinking and writing down some possibilities. Five areas I want you to consider. How is God inviting you? How is he demanding that you ask him? I want. I don't want. Uh, I don't know what come of all this. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't say it because I'm not God. But I have faith that God is going to both do things in the world in response to our prayers, in response to our intercession, to our pleadings, to our faith. This is who God has shown Himself to be. It's mysterious. It's wonderful that God works in partnership with us. And I also know that in asking, God will reveal more of His heart to us. That we will see where our motivations are off, where they need to be course corrected and adjusted. And that God is not stingy with mercy and grace. He wants to show us himself. And the way that he does that so often is through our requests. And so five areas. First of all, what do you want God to do for you? It may seem like the most self-centered question. And we are going to be talking about the self over the next several weeks in a new teaching series. Focusing on what does it mean to be our best selves and to offer ourselves as a gift to the world. But what do you want God to do for you? What do you want from Jesus? That's the question that he asked the blind man. What do you want to see in your life? The next question, what do you want God to do in you? Now, these questions may seem uh, related, and for many of us, they may be uh, intertwined. But what are you longing to see God bring about in your life? Is it a renewed sense of his peace, like his actual peace, the peace that he gives to us, that he doesn't take away? What is it that you want to see God do in you? What sort of internal understanding of the gospel are you longing uh, to, to welcome into your life? The next one. What is a specific prayer that you are praying for someone else? This could be somebody in one of uh, your Ecclesia communities. could be somebody in your life, uh, somebody that you encounter on a daily basis. What is a specific prayer, a prayer for healing, uh, for somebody that you love? What is something that you are just wanting to partner with God? And again, there are so many times where we don't know how to account for when it feels like our prayers are not answered. But what we do see is that God is inviting us to pray fervently, persistently, to ask, to knock on the door. What is a specific prayer that you are praying for someone else? Next area. I want you to just very simply write down three people in your life that you are praying will come to trust in Jesus. Three people in your life. That that if they were to to receive the beauty of the gospel, you would be in awe. You would stand in awe at the works of God and the glory of his salvation. And then lastly, what is a specific prayer that you are praying for our church? What do you want to see God do through Ecclesia? We have such a beautiful foundation. We are telling a beautiful story. God is inviting us to more. There are more spiritual, missional entrepreneurs in our midst that need to heed the call of God in their life and to say, I'm going to go to that place where where the world is aching for for the love and the beauty of God to be brought forth. What do you want to see God do in our midst? Let's be a people of wonder who believe the God of the gospel enough to live the questions. Let's be a people who ask, because we are securely attached to the God who loves us, who has welcomed us into the infinite reality and expanse of his divine life. Let us receive his love, and let us move in power out of this love. He's beckoning us, ask the questions. Let's be a people who ask. Grace and peace to you, Ecclesia.